0: Elton John, Boy George, Mr. T, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, or who? <laughs> who is your vote? What do I look like? Who do I look like for this New Year's Eve, folks? Twenty twenty-two. Am re- I on yet? We really go all out. Dot dot. We got the twenty twenty. We're going into twenty twenty-three. Oh my gosh! This is your money, radio final. Edition for 2022 <laughs> and well listen we invite to bring every we want to bring everybody on the tent out of the tent this this i gotta get rid of that yeah it's that not working anyway <laughs> you, you know it's 2023 yeah, that's right but, but i do like the hat what do you think about the, the top hat it's got sharp. the lights it's like pleather it's it's yeah. i mean i'm telling you it's in
1: actually it the can bigger, actually and the more you can the more you can cover your head and face the better you look. oh don don that's, <laughs> oh, so, oh, wrong.
0: that's oh. so wrong oh uh-oh <laughs> I think I just broke my glasses. Ah, I think they're right. made in China.
2: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> there we go. They work. Wearing they work. double
0: glasses is a challenge. All really, right, folks. Well, you, you got to see it. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm going to be wearing New Year's Eve. I love it. Make my daughter happy. The, the hat kind of works, honestly. You can. You I, like, wear I really show. like the hat. Yeah, the hat. The hat is the, the, really, the hat is it flashing half, now? Yes, yeah. yeah, it's just flashing. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Folks, welcome to Your Money Radio, the final edition 2022 on, it's actually not New Year's Eve, it's actually the 30th, tomorrow's the 31st, Saturday, but is the last trading day of the year. And boy, it was an ugly year. And it looks like the S&P, well, I don't know, it depends on where we close, but we're very close to, quote, bear market territory year to date. So classical definition of a bear market is 20% or more. We've already been in a bear market, came out of it, went back, you know. A few times back and forth. Sure. But now we're right near, right near that 20% cusp. Uh, we had a good day yesterday. Probably brought us just a little bit out of it. But we'll talk about Don about that later. Uh, bonds were in a bear market. They were down 20%. And, you know, I've never thought about it. I wonder if the classical definition of a bear market for bonds is also 20% because 20% for bonds is is a shellacking. Yeah. That's, That's like, like 40% stocks. Mean, not that, they're not supposed to do that, no. right? So. Anyway, and so this year there really was 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 nowhere to hide. And we've talked about on the show how I personally think real estate's next shoe to drop. And there's debates on whether that actually is going to happen or whether it's going to be shallow because of um, um, tight supply. The problem is if you can't afford a house, there's also no demand. Mm. And interest rates have really, really hurt it. We may talk about that a little bit later. I've actually got... Some clients that are heavy in the real estate dis- business, yeah, and they said deals are are only the only deals that are coming across the table right now are cash deals, the financing deals they're gone. Mm. Anyway, we're going to get right into the show, folks. So I'm looking, and I'm looking at all these articles. By the way, we have show note articles, yes, that that you post, uh, Zach, with the with the show, right. so that you can go read them if you want. You can go kind of get them. Some of them are very good research material, and others. I actually put them up there because, well, quite frankly, it makes me nauseous. Because, I mean, well, it's 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 like a marketing thing for, for advisors on how to groom or, you know, control your clients. And, 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 you know, if you help not lose them as much money and you get out of the way, it's a lot easier than, say, why are my bonds down 25%? Yeah. Anyway, so I was looking at all these articles at, toward the end of the year here. And so is the end nigh? Is the end near? According to Harry Dent, he said, and various other predictions on bullish and bearish, you get all over the place. But Harry Dent says, man, it's going to be the mother of all bear markets. It's going to make 2008 look like child play and run for the hills. Get out of the way now. Really? Harry Dent. Now Harry Dent is a great economist. I was to say what's
1: Harry's Dent background? I, I so know. so he
0: does these macro deals where he actually so like if you want to buy Lay's potato chips. Yeah. Who eats the most Lay's potato chips? 16 year olds. Yes. Who has the most number of 16 year old kids? In other words, when is the largest number of 16 year olds moving come, through our population? The yeah, right? yeah. well a 48 year old or like whatever 46 year old woman is the perfect age for the most 16 year old kids. So when does that run through our population cycle oh and then he looks at it so from a micro level you can actually look at different things but on a macro level he said that we were gonna have this massive rally in the 1990s and he wrote a book called the great boom ahead Mm, right and so he was a darling of wall street they did they did put him out of the dog and pony shows for 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 months i even watched him speak in 1999 and then and that's when he was putting out his book The Roaring 2000s. Ah, it was going to be great. It was going to be great. And then the tech wreck. Oh. And then he missed it. And then also in his book he talked about how we were going to have this massive bull market all the way through the Roaring 2000s and then in 2008 or 9 or 10 the demographics it was going to sell off again and go into a bear market till 2020 and then anyway he was wrong after that. But oh. Very I mean he's hot and cold now He also opened up a couple, two, three ETFs, funds, with his name on it that were going to be managed by him. He had to shutter them in two years because his returns were not bad. They were dismal. Mm. So just because you're a con, in fact, most economists don't make good um, um, money, money managers. And that's because they rely on forecast. And we're going to actually talk about that. How forecast are. Uh, work, blank, worthless. I was going to say something, but but uh, <laughs> P- I, I guess I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't, don't want to offend half the population, so I sure. won't say it. Um, but anyway, so we got that. Then there's another article that says difficult math for bulls.
1: Difficult math for, for bulls.
0: bulls, meaning meaning with the valuations, the the price to earnings and the growth relative to our growth in the economy and where are we? It's going to be tough to have a bull market. In other words, we need PE compression. We need the blue sky. The the froth, the irrational exuberance squeezed out so prices have to come lower. Irrational exuberance? Right. So mathematically what they're saying is you either got to expand the economy and it grows so that the economy grows into these PEs, these lofty prices, Uh or PEs prices come down to match the slowing economy. Mm. There there go, that's that's the the, the philosophy. Now, then also we're going to talk about Ross Gerber, the Gerbs. Makes and and the article I guarantee he paid for this article to have this problem. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. mark a lot of these places. That. A lot of these places are marketing. Yeah. But the headline was uh, Ross Gerber makes peace with Elon Musk. What? Oh, okay. You think Elon Musk really cares? rats
3: behind mm, about
0: what what uh, uh, Gerbs does. Yeah. Okay, and 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 really, it's all the musketeers, not the musketeers. The That's in Disney World. The Musketeers That's funny. and the Musketeers are all the Tesla groupies that hold Tesla while it went down. What sixty something percent this year, Don? And so they've gotten hammered, and now they're crying. And Ross Gerber, he even did a video last uh, a few months, an update, literally crying in tears, apologizing to his clients about well, uh, sorry, sorry, it was bad. Really? And then he went on and blamed the Biden administration for everything. And he's actually liberal, but he didn't like what they were doing and sure. thought the anyway. Uh, long story short. Ross had a a tweet uh, meeting with Gerber and sixty thousand disgruntled Tesla stockholders, and he said that he got his answers, that he got his questions answered. The Gerber and that Tesla, uh, Elon is no longer going to sell stocks his Tesla stock. He's done. He sold enough to cover the Twitter buy. He's going to get a CEO for Twitter and focus more on Tesla again. So Ross basically said he's now on even terms with Elon and their friends and. He's going to try to get on the board. Sure. In which case, his lawyers immediately, Gerber's lawyers immediately said, how are you going to do that? You manage people's money. There's all kinds of conflicts of interest. You're going to, have, you know, anyway. So we'll have to see. That's kind of fun. Um,
1: just just, uh, Gerber's ETF, if you want to go to the screen, Zach, down 44.02% year-to-date. Just think we should throw that in there.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, and the market's down what? 20? Rounding? 18, S&P? Uh,
1: the market is currently down 18, uh, 19 and change.
0: 19 and change. So if we go down enough, we could hit bear market for the year. If we break that 20, I guarantee you the market makers are not going to let it go below 20. That's my prediction right here. I think by the end of the day, we might be like 19.8. If it goes to 20, 20.1, 20.2, you will see some buying just to Steven, bring it uh, above the 20 so they can say we well ended the Well,
1: man, interesting. Interesting you should bring that up. Now, if we use government statistics, which round to the tenth of a percent, now how much shenanigans do you think go on with that uh 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 to get the rounding to the proper tenth that you want to? So if we use government rounding, 3816 on the SP will round up to uh actually 38 uh yeah, 3816 will round down to 19.9%. 3815 will round up to 20%. The actual number, if you want to go to two decimals the way we do at Revere, because we strive for perfection. 3813 is the magic number that brings you to 19.999%. Oh, and there it is. That's
0: and It's going to close there or less not worse. It's not going to breach the 20 Because, and by the way, you ask about the margin for error for governmental accounting, Don, that would be 100%. The variance of standard deviation, margin for error. Well, the whole thing could be wrong. Anyway, I don't want let's not go and and Speaking
1: (laughs) speaking of wrong, there's supposed to be a million job adjustment coming out in Q1. Uh, The government supposedly overstated the number of jobs by 1 million in uh, the second quarter of this past year. That was that huge jobs Uh, number. They said they were doing good. (laughs) I'm sure that had nothing to do with the election. I'm sure it was completely above board and honest. Uh, But we we will uh, take a look at that. It's actually a different part of the government auditing the um, Bureau of Labor and Statistics.
0: BLS, yeah. The
1: Bureau of Labor and Statistics was the one that added all the jobs. It's actually, I think it's the Philadelphia Fed that is auditing that. And they're saying, yeah, you overstated jobs by a million. So, and the
0: number itself was like 300,000.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that should be an interesting, uh, actually the number was a million and, and it's oh. basically flat. Yeah. yeah, if, I, yeah. if my uh, memory, uh, serves correctly. So oh. that's supposed to come out, I think in mid February, that adjustment is supposed to come out. Well,
0: well, you know, uh, you know, so you know what I think the BLS stands for? Bullshit labor statistics. Seriously, the, the, the margin, listen, this is true, Zach. A lot of times the margin for error yeah. is bigger than the number itself. Oh, sure. So you've got like 80,000 new jobs created with a margin of error for 200,000.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. What okay. We make? All
0: right. All right. Anyway, so I digress. You're so, so
1: jaded, Dan. So jaded. I just, you know, gosh, 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 <laughs> gosh, 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 gosh.
0: Well, they do the same thing. Well, uh, we won't go there. All right. So now here now we're uh, very quickly. I'm just going to do a very quick drive by on just the highlights. So because they did pass the Secure Act, the new Secure Act, it's supposed to make us all secure. Okay. Just like the Inflation Reduction Act is going to kill inflation, not they're going to kill inflation by spending even more money. Does there economist like uh, Harry Dent? Right. Anyway, so the couple couple of highlights. So it extends the RMD, the required minimum di- distribution to 73 now, not 72 anymore. It reduces the penalty for missing RMDs cuz they really want your money. And it allows for employee matching to a Roth a Roth 401k. Okay? It increased the retire- retirement catch-up provisions um uh, for those ages 60 to 63. Woohoo! All right. There's a narrow swath right there, three people. <laughs> that's not, that's oh, you're anything. almost. You're about to retire next year? We'll let you put in an extra couple sure thousand. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. It allows for $529 uh, to a Roth IRA rollover in 2024. It actually creates Roth, SEP, and simple IRA options um, um, also. And it allows for a $50,000 IRA charitable rollover uh, uh, or gift annuity, and that gets a little complicated. We don't talk about that, but but any of those pl- any of those ideas or planning, if you want to talk about that, call me and I'll, I'll be happy to go over any of those things with you. I don't want to grind the show to a halt by talking about that because we want to focus on the markets. But let's get back to the forecast, because here is what's going on. Everybody. Because it's year-end, it's the end of the year, all the broker-dealers are coming out with their forecast for 2023, of course. and what you need to do to prepare and get ready, okay? And by the way, one of the other articles was a the 60-40 portfolio is poised, is poised to outperform over the next 10 years. Really? Well, yeah, they went down 30% this year. So yeah, you're bottoming somewhere, I mean... So we're either bottoming now and establishing a bottom or we've got a third leg down to go even further. But if that happens, that most likely will happen in the next three to six months. It pretty, you know, pretty quickly. We're in a bear market. But then once you establish a bottom, yeah, the upside is huge, but you also wrote it down. So if you wrote it down 30%, bonds don't really perform like growth stocks on, in a bull market in a rally. So they'll come back. The whole point is the first three, four years, you're just getting your principal back. I mean, you're just getting back even. So, yes, it may be ready to outperform, but that's because you also took a slacking. Some of these growth stocks, that's like saying, well, Tesla's poised to outperform the next couple years. Yeah, you're down 72%, or whatever it is. It's a huge number, okay? Anyway, that's why Gerbs is crying. Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, It's like uh, the the, uh, Prince song, When Doves Cry, When Gerbs Cries. When Gerbs Cries. All right, anyway... So sorry I couldn't help it. I just watch him and I just when I see him on CNBC. Anyway, a couple of the a couple of those articles I was talking about, valuation maths suggest difficult markets in 2023, crash of a lifetime, Harry Dent who's a coin toss, right or wrong. Uh earnings could dip to 2008 levels, Morgan Stanley. By the way, Morgan Stanley, where were they? Morgan Stanley, where are they? Where are they? They actually predicted Morgan Stanley predicted that the market was going to be at 4,400 by this year. Today, okay. Don, where's the S and P right now? Is it 4,400?
1: It's at 38.24. Dan, ooh, they just missed so ooh. close.
0: Fifteen percent. Wow, they miss- okay. So they miss- so why are we listening to them now? Why, why do we? Ca- I mean, if you're right, I mean, it's like lie to me once, shame on you. Lie to me twice. I mean, if you're still listening to people that are wrong all the time. You know, it's kind of like listening to the government. Oh, I digress. All right. Anyway, now here's an interesting thing: the new corporate buyback tax poised to take effect in 2023. So our Congress and all of their um, um, intellect, and we're in a bear market. Let's hamper the uh, helping the market recover by stopping share buybacks. Now it's kind of financial engineering. I get all that fine, whatever. But now they're imposing a one percent. Buyback t- tax on stock. So if a company wants to buy back its shares, it's got to pay 1%. So if it's $100 million, they get to pay a $1 million to Uncle Sam. Is 1% a deal killer? No. And I think guys will still do it if they can still get their bu- make, get, pump that stock up to hit their bonus, right? Because sure. they got to have those levels. But I've never seen a tax that stays at 1%. Per- all these sales, all these different taxes like that, ad valorem, sales tax, whatever, they add a half a penny and let's on a Uh, $0.25, it's like the gas tax. They keep adding a little bit, a little bit. So it's 1% now for 2023. Mark my words, that's going to continue to go up. Mm. But that is bull bearish. That doesn't help because it puts a friction on stock buybacks. Now, on the bullish side, investing in the collision of two energy megatrends, and we've talked about that a little bit on air, a new group of super stocks is emerging. Those are mostly semiconductors in that article. And I told you about the 60, 40 portfolio set to outperform over the next decade. And again, if you're down 30%, it probably is going to outperform. And then the advisor, the Gerbs, uh, uh, makes peace with, uh, laugh out loud, Elon Musk. All right. Now, so all those are for those for you to go read. You can read them if you want and have fun. I really want to get in the markets. And I want to kind of highlight why all these forecasts, all these guys get. See, at Revere, we do things differently. We measure what is happening while it's happening, and we make adjustments accordingly. We always say it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. So if we make a move and we get in and the market starts to roll over, we'll get back out. We may have a small loss. We don't write things down big. You always want to try to keep your losses to single digit because compounding works both ways. So instead of making forecasts, we measure and make adjustments based on what is currently happening. We don't make predictions out six months or nine months or a year. And now I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So, what was that level you had for the S&P Don 3800? 3,
1: 3800 was the key support level that was breached two days ago, regained today, and we're holding or regained yesterday, and we're holding on to it today. Okay. So we're then at thir- minus 20% level is 3813 to 3816.
0: Okay. All right. Now, so for I'm going to give you the forecast for 2022 for this year by all the brig brokerage firms, okay? Oh, wait, for
3: next year? For no, for the, ending this, oh, okay. the last
0: year, so the, yeah. January 1st, 20, actually December 31st, 2021, they, said, they this. said this is where ending is, tw-. now remember that 3,800 level. Okay. And, and think about it, did anybody get close to this? Okay, all right. So Morgan Stanley was 4,400. We were teasing them a second ago. They were actually the closest. Mm-hmm. Bank of America, 4,600. Wells Fargo, 4,715. Barclays, 4,800. Canner, 4,800. City, 4,900. UBS, 4,850. RBC, 5050. 50. Ouch. wonder how much money you lost to RBC. Man. JPM, 50. J- G- James Pierpont Morgan, JP Morgan Chase, 5050. 50. Uh, and city at the forty nine hundred. That really would be Merrill Lynch, right? Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs fifty one hundred. Um, uh, CS. That's going to be Credit Suisse. I was thinking Charles Schwab, but it's actually Credit Swiss fifty two hundred. Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, or is it Deutsche Bank? What? How do you pronounce that? I don't, I don't know. Love get, them. Though. I They're always great. say Deutsche Bank, yeah. but is um fifty two fifty BMO. 5300 and the winner the one that missed by the most by a long shot by 40% is Oppenheimer at 5330. Woo! So so what that tells you is number 1 they were all wrong and, and you know when you're doing estimates you're kind of supposed to be a little bit I mean it's an estimate.
1: You want to get kind of close.
0: But you want to get close. But these were all to the upside, starting at fifteen percent, going all the way to forty percent. So they're cheerleaders for Wall Street. By the way, when you get anal- analyst estimates and say it's fifty cents a share, and you get a really good accounting estimates that he's doing all these adjust, looking at the uh, company and making sure that, that he, he, if he truly is being on it, honest and it's a it's a it's a clean ethical system, it's not rigged, right? Then sure. you would have some analysts under the fifty dollars per share at forty nine fifty or forty eight seventy five and a few at fifty one. They'd be kind of around that fifty dollar mark, right? You'd have some above, and it may be forty five below and fifty five above or something like that. Do you know it's over eighty percent of analysts miss to the upside? In other words, they overestimate Is the it earnings. Really? Yeah, and they're they're all they're in other words, you should you, you should have some. So basically, a lot of the companies will sandbag and feed the analyst stuff to make it look so that they can beat the estimates. They always try to manage the numbers so that they can try to beat estimates, and then these analysts still get it wrong. Um, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. It's not above. It's over eighty percent. Come in lower than the true number. So mm. the estimate, yeah, because the company sandbag. So in any event, the whole point is. If these numbers and these estimates and these forecasts are wrong, whether it's because of incompetence or a more nefarious reason to get you to buy, because remember they represent the sell side. They represent the insurance companies and the brokerage firms, the investment banks. They don't represent you, the buy side. Revere, we only represent the buy side. We We don't care what any broker dealer says or anything like that. And a lot of people know this at Goldman and Merrill Lynch. They understand if they're there, there's conflicts of interest, but they think there's not conflicts of interest at Fidelity or Schwab. They're still brokers, too. They're discount brokers, the same thing. So you got to be careful and you got to have some kind of way to measure what that is. Mm -hmm. So, with that kind of backdrop, I want to kind of go to Don. And talk about kind of where we are right now. And then talk about, you know, because you were looking at those estimates. You were looking at that chart the other, a week ago. The, the P, remember you were looking at PEs and what if it, what if this level comes? We're talking about different levels and we're talking about all these estimates. So where do we go from here and how do you, do, number one, do you use estimates or how do you, what do you do, Don?
1: Well, a couple things. First of all, those numbers mean that not a single one of the economists tied to those banks uh, believed or or none of them disagreed with the fact that the Fed said that inflation was transitory. Nobody saw a pullback, let alone uh, a bear market with those those estimates that you went through. Now, a lot of them are now starting to turn bearish Let me bring in uh, this S&P 500 earnings multiple chart. There it is, yeah. I had talked through a little bit. So uh, we've been featuring one of the most outspoken bearish people is Morgan Stanley strategist, Mike Wilson. The latest note that I have from him on 1220 is that his bear case is $180 a share uh, in earnings for the S&P in 2023. Right now, most estimates are between 220 and 225. I've seen some uh, down at 215. Uh, he's saying that we're expecting a decline all the way down to the 3,000 area, uh, but finish the year basically unchanged or where we are now, around 3,800. These numbers that I have highlighted here, the first ones are uh, the blue ones. This is where we were two weeks ago when we first started talking about this, this is when uh, Powell came out. He had this interview, and it was more dovish than people were expecting. And then the follow-up to that, the purple numbers are uh, the CPI that came in, and we had a negative reversal. And then the next day with the FOMC, he started his hire for longer uh, talk, and the market had a big negative reversal there. And then it followed through to the downside, 37.40, 37.80. This is the low end of the correction of where we were uh, last week, earlier this week. So right now uh, we're at 38.22, which is really trapped between the red and the purple, which is a 17 or an 18 multiple on the S&P 500 with earnings around 215, between 210 uh, and 220 to 225. So things are the, the rubber's going to meet the road in fourth quarter when earnings I'm sorry in the first quarter when earnings for the fourth quarter start coming out and we start seeing the forward guidance of these companies that's really it's the reaction to the earnings not the earnings themselves for Q4 it's the reaction and the forecast going forward that we have to pay attention to as well as how Wall Street starts adjusting their 2023 earnings outlook based on what the major companies in the S&P 500 are reporting So where we are right now is at this big 3,800 support level that we've been talking about in our videos. Uh, We got as high as uh, on the S&P. We broke above the 200-day moving average. We got some more exposure there. We peaked at 4,100. We pulled back the next day back to 4,000. Then we broke 3,900, which was a key level. And now we've basically been bouncing for the last two and a half weeks between uh, 3,800 and 3,900. Uh, 3,800, we have one close below it Wednesday of this week. Looked like we were breaking down, but uh, we had a goal line save at the market yesterday, getting us back above that key bear market level of 38.13 to 38.16. And now we're just consolidating right around that level today, an inside day relative to Thursday, which means the high is below the prior day's high and the low is above the prior day's low. You can kind of see on this chart here how uh, 38.50-ish is a very key resistance level. We ran into that for four and a half hours yesterday and couldn't sustain above it. We closed at 39 and 38.49, then had the overnight gap down. Uh, But the key level, a break above 38.50 and 3900, that's what the bulls would want to see. Now, the Santa Claus rally... Dan, you know where we started at, what the pivot was the day before the supposed Santa Claus rally, which is defined as the last five trading days of one year and the first two trading days of the prior year. It's seven days. This year it started the Friday before Christmas. We closed the day before there at 38.22. I'm looking at my screen right now, we're right at 38.22. So there's been no change in the market over the past, over the first five days of the supposed Santa Claus rally. And there is an old Wall Street saying, if Santa Claus should fail to call, the bear will come to broaden wall. So we've got to see what happens the first two uh, d- trading days of the next year to see how that, how that wraps up the Santa Claus rally. Um, Harken back to, I think it was 2016, 2015, 2016, we had a big gap down the following day they the first trading day of the new year. And that was re- representing people getting the hell out of the way for what they saw was coming the rest of the year. So I think those first two trading days of 2023 are going to be extremely critical from a sentiment standpoint and an outlook standpoint. Uh, there are fund flows coming in those first two days from people with their year-end 401k for people that just funded. Uh, their IRAs at the end of the year, the last week of the year. So typically the big fund flows make those two days one of the two of the most bullish days of the year. Those are the first two trading days in January. Uh, So I think that what they look at, what they look like is going to be extremely critical uh, going into for the outlook for January and the rest of the year. One thing to note is that the first two days Uh, hold on a second, let me get something right up here. Let's bring up, uh, let's go to the end of January of this year, just to see how we started off last year's uh, Santa Claus rally. We had a very strong rally the last week in 2021, leading into 2022. We followed that up the first uh, trading day of the year this year up 0.64%. The next day we put in the top for the year at 48.19. Reversed to close lower, and that was it. We sold off from there. That was So those first two days of the year represented the high of the entire year for 2022. Uh, we'll be paying a lot of attention to what goes on the first two days of the year in 2023 to see how uh, Wall Street, when everybody comes back from vacation, to see how their outlook is going to impact their positioning in stocks throughout January and into February.
0: Uh, no that's a good point., uh, there's another saying also is so goes January, so goes the year. so normally January's a pretty very good, b- 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 very good indicator um now, trivia question for uh uh Michael and then Connor, by the way, we need to introduce Connor. we've got a so Ted is actually sick today. he's got a uh flu or sore throat or something so but we've actually got the Florida got, flu he's got the what?
1: The Florida flu. He's visiting Florida on vacation. The Florida uh, flu. He caught the Florida flu while he was down here.
0: Bummer, dude. Bummer. But anyway, so we have a new intern, a new addition to the Revere team. Connor. Connor, how are you? Can you hear me?
2: I can. Thanks, Dan. Doing well yourself.
0: I'm doing well. So I've got a question for you first to see if you can answer it. And if you can't, I'm going to go to Michael. No Googling, guys. You can't Google. So, do you know why Wall Street is named Wall Street? I don't I'm have I don't. to leave that one to Michael yeah. I don't know that one Michael, do you know I feel
1: like Michael might know Can you hear me? Yeah,
0: yeah. do you know um. All right, that's a no. Don't be looking I it feel up. Like I, did. I, 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 I tell you what, <laughs> this is it. You it
1: don't a... know. You don't know, Michael. <laughs> okay. All right, day. Don. Don, do you know? I don't know. I could actually, and this this
0: is why. true. It, when 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 New York was just a fledgling colony, mm-hmm. there was an a fort to protect against the Indians. They actually had a fort in Manhattan right there, and the wall of the fort. Was running right along Wall, the wall that was the wall, that was where the wall was. So the street right out in front of the wall was called Wall Street, because they were so creative back then. And I'm sure Broad Street was named Broad because it was was a a damn widest street. Wow, (laughs) on the (laughs) for the for the ten blocks, you know, probably why it was named (laughs) that. But but anyway, that is that is true. That's why. uh, Oh, New York's got a fascinating fascinating history. More you know. Anyway, all right, so. So Don, you're going to be looking at the, the initial flows and there will be some IRA flows. There'll also be some profit sharing and 401k matching and the 3% or four, the matching for the 401ks. A lot of companies do it at the end of the year, but it takes them a little while, you know, to calculate what it's going to be. So the first couple, three weeks in January, you'll still get some extra fund flows that you normally don't happen during the other parts of the year which I, I agree with Don. That's one of the reasons January, it's called the January effect. It's the one reason January is historically so bullish. It's not always that way. And when it's not always that way, that's a big red flag. So you got to keep your, keep your uh, antenna up. All right. So let's go, let's go to Don. Uh, Don, I'll let you uh, lead with the guys and, and let you talk about the uh, investing topics you guys are looking at today.
1: Sure. Two of our goals uh, for 2023 are uh, to get the new, newer guys on the staff integrated uh, into the video process that we do nightly. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at doing that and also to focus uh, more on individual sectors. Each person, Alex, uh, Michael, Connor and uh, Ted all have uh, sectors assigned to them. To keep just a, a little bit of a closer eye on what's going on within those individual sectors, to try to detect more right at the outset uh, what the leaders are in the in the individual sectors. And one of the reasons that we're doing this is because we've noticed there's a pretty big lag just following the Investors Business Daily sector rankings, because first of all, that they're they're price weighted, and there can be a very Uh, If there's not a lot of stocks in the sector, there can be a couple of very heavily priced stocks inside that sector that completely throw off the true strength or weakness of the sector. So we're going to be isolating the uh, stocks that are the strongest in the sector to try to identify sector trends before they jump out uh, to the, the populace. And uh, Connor's going to talk about uh, from his uh, sector assignments, he's going to go through five charts uh, in there. And then Michael's topic today is going to be something that I touched on last week, uh, last night in video. It's about a stock that was on our watch list uh, a couple of months ago and they had they reported a a bad earnings report not necessarily an earnings report because they don't have any earnings but what they do have (laughs) is a supposed a supposed breakthrough battery technology that has a lot of people paying attention to it 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 it, it, one of the key uh factors is how it reduces the risk of fires uh in lithium-ion batteries and uh in the first week in January, they're going to have major presentations. They just hired uh, a very highly thought of CEO that's going to start in the middle of January. And if you read the press releases of this company, they're full of confidence about what their technology can do, and they're very eager to show it uh, to the general public uh, in this first week in January. So, Michael's going to talk about that. Um, And that's because machinery is uh, one of the sectors that are assigned to him. So uh, with that first, uh, Connor, uh, if you can give us a little bit of a background about yourself, uh, your college background, where you're going, how you found out about Revere and uh, when you graduate and uh, then just segue into the stocks and I'll man the charts while you bring up the companies.
2: Awesome. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, my name's Connor. Obviously, um, originally from Michigan, but I go to school in Florida. Um, what led me to school in Florida was for a Division One soccer scholarship, and so that what led me to Stetson, and I'm studying finance with a concentration in investments. <clears throat> um, what the reason I found out about Revere was actually, um, someone I talked to. Uh, recommended Revere and said, you know, they're they're a registered investment advisor that that does a strategy that resonated with me. So um, I pretty much cold called Dan and Don and luckily enough, they got back to me and then I've been in contact with them all last semester. And then for next semester, I'll be able to be like a full-time intern and be on podcasts, do the nightly uh videos, and I have one more semester left until I graduate.
0: That's absolutely right. Excellent. And he, and he's actually gonna come on board with with Ted. Um, um and by the way, uh Connor, just so you know, don't 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 sell yourself short when you said, you know, it was kind of you reached out to Don and I and it was it was kinda like Don actually interviewed and screened 30, 40 applicants. It was quite a few applicants. So there was a lot of people that were vying uh, uh, for both Ted and Connor's position and Michael before that, by the way. So it now
1: wasn't, here's the, it, here's the, here's the funny thing about this whole situation. After talking, talking to so many people, it got narrowed down to three. Uh, one guy kind of eliminated himself because he just didn't uh, seem to have the drive that we thought uh, that I thought he would need to do it. And then we settled on Ted and Connor and they took separate paths to getting their foot in the door but Ted and Connor knew each other from uh soccer camps I believe they 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 met at oh, a soccer camp Oh they're both soccer Oh, oh no I didn't way. know that I didn't yeah. know they knew each, they each other soccer camps They're they're good well, friends nobody uh, me Neither that. of them mentioned it <laughs> Neither of them mentioned it uh they got in on their own not one vouching for the other or anything the decision that I came to was before uh, I even know that they knew each other I was uh, you know, One of my ideas was, because uh, you know Ted's uh, bypassing dental school to go into finance, uh, Connor turned down uh, the fifth year of his scholarship at Stetson to take uh, this opportunity. And uh, instead of Ted doing a residency in dentist, I'm having these guys come to St. Augustine when they graduate and they're going to do a residency here with me uh, to learn the in, ins and outs of the business and the way that we do things. And uh, it couldn't have come together better, as far as I'm concerned. And the fact that they already get along, I don't have to worry about two guys rooming together that can't stand each other. So uh, that's a nice added bonus that uh, we don't have. We won't have to worry about. So uh no, you didn't know that Dan. That
0: I, I just found out just now that they knew each other before. Nobody ever told I me that. Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, I, I don't do listen that. to you, Don. Shit, oh, I, I, I don't well, that's listen to. True, yeah. <laughs> so, so, right. so, Michael, so, Mike,
1: what do you have to add to that? Wait, wait, wait,
0: hang on, Michael also is a soccer aficionado. Don, the next yeah. hire's gotta love yeah. football. I mean, real, foot, American yeah. football, not soccer.
1: Huh. We well, don't no, call shit. I was gonna say now. Now that
3: there's three of us that are big soccer guys, it's it's time that we start calling soccer football. The wow. no, 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 never, no. never, never happened here. Yeah, to I actually,
0: I don't change already rules. Hey, but 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 <laughs> hey, hey, listen hey, listen only listen only listen. shareholders have a vote, Michael. Oh, oh, only shareholders God. have a vote. <laughs> oh. So, uh, by the way, that Michael, was a great that was a great final soccer. That was unbelievable. Yeah, and Messi. All
1: the games were like that. I'd yeah, watch. Yeah. I'd that, watch. Three three, that was. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Michael uh, joined our fantasy league. He took over from Hunter when Hunter left uh, and he started out. 0 and six was in by far in last place in the league, but stuck with it, made some changes, hit the waiver wire, stuck with his guys. And he ended up winning seven of his next eight games. Beat me last week in uh, the semifinals of the fantasy bowl. So Michael is representing Revere oh, in the finals of whoa. the fantasy.
0: Don got oh, you, Don it. got you, And And the student becomes the master. Yeah, apparently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hold on a second, man. Because because of the inherent luck in scheduling in fantasy football, <laughs> oh. you can have the next. You can have a very bad team and get lucky with the schedule and make it to the finals, and that's what happened with Mike's opponent. This weekend, he got lucky. He snuck into the playoffs. He won his last two games. Eighty percent of the pot goes to total points, and the guy talking right now is walking away with that prize. So, oh, oh, good save, Don. Good (laughs) save. Although I was defeated in the playoffs, I I will take the total points uh, victory. So, so what? Good. I don't, the only reason
3: I don't have the most points is because for the first six weeks, my star players were injured and um, had some roster issues. So if, uh, if it weren't for that, maybe, maybe, maybe we'd, we'd have the most points um, as well. So so,
0: so I've got a question. Do they have fantasy soccer too? Surely. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's with the premier league.
0: Okay. I I figured, I figured, I figured they did. I figured they did. All right. By the way, this is a perfect time to read this very quickly, and then we'll go to to, to Connor and his charts because it kind of dovetails with these in, these interns and what we're doing. And we've talked about this. We, you know, at Revere, we want to groom uh, some young, vibrant, you know, driven finance, people that are interested in the markets that, that haven't worked for Fidelity for 20 years or Morgan Stanley, and they're ingrained in that modern portfolio theory, pie chart dogma, and we don't, you know, So, so that's what, but, but we got this. So this is from the mailbag and it's a wonderful, uh, it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Don, happy new year. I hope you're doing well. My name is DI and I learned about Revere when I saw your, saw you on Twitter from your Richard Moglin interview. Since then I've been watching your videos. I am a trader and I have incorporated a number of your strategies to develop my skills and approach. I have learned over the past year that most financial managers Set customer accounts on autopilot with no regard to how the market is performing. Your team is in the game competing every day. You have a plan and you execute it. My parents like you so much that they moved their money to Revere last summer. I have two fashions in my life. One is the stock market and the other is soccer.
3: Soccer.
0: I was going to say (laughs) non-American. Non-American football. I was an All-American soccer player in both high school and college. I competed two and a half years of college before ending my soccer career with a soccer career-ending injury and needed multiple surgeries. I'm sorry about that. I still love soccer, but I've taken the same passion, preparation, hard work, and commitment and channeled it back into the market. What I have learned in sports is that you have to surround yourself with players that are better than you to get better. I love – I'm skipping down. I love analyzing charge companies and indicators. The work that Revere is doing is refreshing in the financial industry. DI, we appreciate that letter. That's, yeah. That really warms my cockles. I'm glad. But that's, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the landscape. And look, not over 95% of investment companies do the same thing. You fill out their risk tolerance questionnaire. You kind of get the profile. And based on your age and your station in life, what and your risk profile, you get a number eight uh, a, a pie chart. If you're wimpy, you get a ten. If you're moderate, you get a twelve. If you're aggressive, guess what? They all move in tandem. Some just a little, little less volatile than the other. So in a bear market, one goes down twenty, the other goes down twenty-five, the other one goes down thirty. Take your pick. That that's totally different than what we're trying to do. So anyway, all right. I digress. The mail, by the way. Speaking of the mailbag, if you folks want to send me an email, dan at revereasset.com, talk about a stock you want us to pull up on the chart, Don, you want Don to go, the guys to go over, or uh, a topic you want to talk about, or if you just want a complimentary portfolio review, you can simply reach out to me, uh, and I will be happy to uh, bring that up, and we will talk about that. All right, so now are we, we're going to go to Connor, and he's going to go over uh, the five Uh, stocks in his sector. Go ahead, Connor.
2: All right, so, um, Don, if you could get the chart of F-O-U-R. Yeah, so this is the first name that came up when I was scanning. And basically it provides integrated payment processing and technology solutions. And what I liked about this was, you know, the gro- growing earnings and sales. And from a technical standpoint, I mean, it's trading above all the key moving averages and it, you know, it just came out of this small little pivot over 5529. And as you can see, it got taken down a little bit, which just shows, I mean, this market's been tough and, and breakouts are hard to stick, but something definitely to keep on watch is it, it's building out this nice base. Um, the next one is CROX, Don, if you could pull that up. Yeah, this is this is another one. I'm sure everyone's heard about Crocs. It's on the daily, it's looking really good. It, it's getting really tight. Um, it came above that 104 pivot a little bit and it's just, it's getting really tight right at that range. And it's, it's above all the key moving averages. And one thing to note is when the whole market took the turn down, most names followed and, and Crocs went down as well, but it's staged a 121% move off those lows. And now it's only down uh, 18% year to date. So definitely showing some relative strength. And then for the uh, apparel sector, it's, the, it's best in the class for earnings per share and the relative strength line. So it really, that's a a good looking
0: chart right there.
2: Um, next one I wanted to talk about is GEO. Yeah. So this name, um, this was about the best looking REIT. I could find a real estate investment trust. Um, so what this company does is they invest in private prisons, mental health facilities, and detention centers. Um, they they're raising guidance, sales and earnings, and it, it had a nice run up to that 12 and now it's kind of curling off the shorter term moving averages and, and really getting tight around that area. Um, another thing to note is it it's up 40, per, 40% year to date. So. Looking ahead into 2023, um, there's a lot of recession fears and just a lot of economic uncertainty. So how this performed this year, it it could be a a good name to own if, you know, the recession comes along and more uh, economic uncertainty comes. Um, My next one is CELH. this one I like a lot. Um, I think price needs to look better before you buy it, but just on the story, I, I view it as a, you know, potential market leader. Um, this year it's up 39% year to date, which although it's in the beverage, uh, industry, I do view it as a bit of a growth stock as well. Um, accelerating earnings and sales. Um, and just like looking at it from my life, I think this, this has a potential to, you know, like change the industry per se. Um, It's very common around athletes and being a college student myself, it's so evident on campus within like, old teammates would drink them before games and whatnot. And uh, interesting statistic that I or that I just was looking at Monster, uh, which same beverage sector, it returns 78,000% since IPO. So although this isn't, you know, like, a new product or whatever, it it, it still can do really well. And then um, my last the one about, is... About Celsius, the,
1: the ladies like Celsius too, right? Uh, that's uh, something that I read is that you don't usually see uh, the ladies with a Red Bull or a monster. But because this is geared towards fitness and weight loss, uh, that end of the marketing has caught on with... Uh, A lot of female uh workout and athlete uh workout people work out in with and athletes
0: and it's a slimmer can it's a slimmer svelte can it's the women like it Mm.
2: i like it myself i think i think it's the best uh energy drink out there so like from personal use i think it's. yeah me too
3: yeah it's pretty good i'm a fan
0: wow we got three fans in here and sure do
3: and then and one um, month on oh, the yeah. soccer
0: guys. <laughs> wow,
1: yeah,
0: there it is. <laughs> I thought you gave those up for Lent, Don.
1: Lent is long gone.
2: Don, <laughs> Don you need to try Celsius, though. Yeah. Okay.
1: I have, uh, some of them taste like cough medicine. I do like the orange and the grape rush.
2: Yeah, those are good ones. <laughs>
1: and your final um, stock and then
2: it's BKNG yeah so this one um caught my attention a little bit it, it's just peaking above over the 200 sma which is very positive if you look at other uh, travel stocks i mean airbnb's down 50% trip advisors down 37% um so you can say that BKG is shown some relative strength in the in the leisure and vacation sector. Um, I think there's a couple ways this could play out. Um, you know, if there's more COVID lockdowns, more viruses, then clearly it'd be negative for, you know, the travel sector and these individual names. But if, you know, all the pent up demand to travel and get out of the house and go places, then, you know, this could be positive for BKG. And I like to see that the price is lining up, getting
0: over the 200 SMA. You, you know what? Uh, it, they could get a little teeny short term pop with uh, Southwest Airlines <laughs> problems because be, lots of people are having to rebook and try to find alternative flights, alternative right. routes. Boy, ain't that the truth. Hey, look, out of curiosity, Don, when you're done with that stock, pull up love. I'm just curious to see what that looks like when you're done with that booking. Down. <laughs>
1: No love for love. No love for love. Oh, it's ah. got to be just getting hammered. Yeah, down from 40 to 32 uh, before bouncing. So roughly, just a little 20 percent drop over the yeah. last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. And look where it failed. 200-day moving average. This is a chance for this is uh, classical selling. learning. Take,
0: classical, take, take. classical yep. learning, folks. You break to 200, take either take some. If you don't take all of the off the table at least take some of it or, or set kind of some kind of stop
1: and this is bag holders taking advantage of that level to sell right same thing back here in may rallied up to where the 200-day moving average and failed all right. very similar to what the indexes did
0: all right we ready to go to michael now
1: we are take it away mike let's do it all right so
3: i just wanted to finish up the uh the 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 conversation about football because also I was talking to some <laughs> friends about it and um it, it, there there was something interesting that we we kind of um came up but then I'd like to know your thoughts on this Dan um well Don actually um wow or Dan both both, both yeah opinion. both um <laughs> everyone everyone uh so so I know a big concern a big criticism of soccer is that it's so low scoring but I mean wow. football is not really much higher scoring than soccer it's just that in soccer a goal is worth one point instead of six so if you if for every goal you just made them seven points it'd be just as high scoring as football um what are you no, what are your thoughts no, on that Don? Ab-
1: that's just that's just absolutely not true what now here's here's my response to that when you combine las vegas books an over under for every nfl game and it's usually in the high 40s so if you would divide that between touchdowns and field goals, you're looking at approximately seven to nine uh, either field goals or uh, touchdowns throughout a game. And soccer scores are not five to four in the, uh, in the highest echelons. In fact, that three to three World Cup final was uh, known as a pretty high scoring game, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, So I'll give you, I'll give you my two bits. Uh, You know, soccer is okay if it's a really, really exciting game, but it's it's sort of like baseball. There's a lot of slow time in there. You know, in football, at least they're hitting each other every play. You know, you're getting some action. Oh, or I like mean, ba- well, basketball and football, the action is constant. Yeah, so and, it's, and it's not that soccer is not constant because they're running. you got to be in great shape. But right. They're running around the whole time. The problem is, they're running around on the ball. I mean, it's not it's not, a, it's not yeah. a critical thing for a lot of it. So I personally I only like in baseball, I'll watch the World Series or just one or two games a year. Yeah. But it's so slow. Baseball and a, nothing happens and then you go to get a, a Diet Coke out of the fridge, you come back and it's a, a triple play and you missed it. <laughs> baseball baseball's a hangout game. It moves at the pace of the pitcher, right? Like nobody <laughs> right, goes until the pitcher goes. Game. Everybody's in the dugouts drinking beer. Football has so many stoppages of play. I mean, yeah, there's action, but it's all manufactured. They got to stop for commercial breaks every four minutes. Soccer at least moves, I think,
2: but it is. A wow! Big team. We got and the young means, bucks uh, like. Hey, yeah. no. I, I, I can tell you about <laughs> so Soccer is about one sports, step but above but baseball.
0: It's like watching paint dry. Oh, come on now. Baseball's <laughs> America's best. Time. How dare you? Church or that. baseball? <laughs> all right. All right. Nobody asked me about tennis. Huh? What do you think about tennis? Uh, tennis is pretty exciting. <laughs> <Godly> <laughs> hey, God, listen, tennis is a pretty good time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Big fan. Love tennis. Yeah. Love
0: yeah. tennis. Yep. Well, I, I'll uh, tell you, I'll tell you what, in high school, I had a friend, t- I was on the, yeah, obviously I was on the varsity team anyway, a guy, and they tried to get me to play football. I played football all the way through junior high, but didn't play in high school because my dad told me, look, one good knee shot. Yeah, I mean, you got a full I ride mean, yeah. in the college you want to go to. It's not worth it. And so some of the football players were a little bit, um, pissy with me, I guess is the word. And Tom Hensley, this one guy is a good friend of mine. He was a halfback, was teasing me one day, oh, tennis is a wimpy sport. And he used to play. We used to play at the club together. I said, all right, you go up there and stand at the net and hit a few volleys. I'll hit a few ground strokes at you. So he said, okay. And I did this in front of all the – so all the team comes out, all the girls come out. We start hitting balls. I picked him off at like 120 miles an hour three times in a row, and he walked off. (laughs) Realizes this is not such a – such a, uh, you know. And this is, right. this
1: is all while you were wearing those little ankle socks with the furry balls on the back sticking out of your Yes,
0: yes, right. yes, yes, yes. No, I can't remember what they called them. I, I actually, I, I never wore you. those, Don, but thank yeah. you.
1: Anyway. All They're right. called Stewarts.
0: <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's my last name, Don.
1: Anyway. Uh, all right, Mike, five minutes on ENVX, Go. All right, so EMVX, um,
3: what I like to do when I when I look at these companies is um, try to figure out like, okay, what's what's the story? And how do I? How do I value it? Because I I mean, technicals are super important, but I like to have like, sort of at least a picture of where the company's headed before before jumping into something. And um, The issue with a company like ENVX that I ran across is there's really three main ways that you can value companies. There's the multiplier model, which is you do price to earnings and price to sales ratios, and just see like from a valuation perspective, is it expensive on its historical PE, kind of like what we did um, earlier with the um, S&P 500. And then you can compare those metrics to other companies in the industry and see how it compares. you can then do a present value model, which is you discount the future cash flows to a present value. And for that, you have to use um, like your weighted average cost of capital, see what the discount rate is. And you have to have some some earnings and and revenues to be able to discount that backwards. Um, and then you have asset-based valuation, which is more for financials and um, financial asset-based companies. And that's where you have assets minus liabilities. and. Um, you can come up with a fundamental um, valuation for a company based on that. Now, the issue with um, a company like ENVX that doesn't have any sales is that you can't value it in any of those three ways. Um, So the only way to really value it is um, basically you have to come up with like a a descriptive story in order to value it. And um, you then have to like also look at companies that have had similar stories um that you can compare it to and um the you basically have to analyze the similar companies and their operating performance and see okay how does this how how's this company going to compare it to them and um basically what ENVX is doing is they are in the um the battery segment so that's some um, electrical and power equipment but they're working on a next-generation 3D silicon lithium-ion battery, and um, it's it's a revolution as as Dan uh, as Don said earlier in terms of battery tech and like um, less um, fire risk and hazards and all these things. So within this industry, they are a disruptor because battery technology for a long time, like pretty much since it was created, hasn't really been revolutionized all too much. There were companies um, like QuantumScape, and um, there are companies every now and then that come up with a new solid state idea for a battery, but they usually get overhyped and then um, they're not able to deliver on it. So battery tech has not advanced nearly as rapidly as all other technologies. And um, when you're looking at something like this new tech, um, it's just, it's very difficult to, unless you're a, an, an expert in the industry or a, a, a scientist or physicist or something that that really understands these things. Um, as just a normal guy like me, it's it's hard to, or impossible, I, I couldn't tell you if um, this technology is good or bad, but that's why they're having these presentations, they'll pitch it to investors, they'll see um, supposedly what they have is really good. I'm not doubting the company in any way, I just, it's too early for me to tell and they don't have the sales yet to, to prove anything so we've got to wait and see that and um just also just in terms of the presentations and what this company has promised um they they went public as a spac which is a special purpose acquisition uh company which is basically a company um merges with another company and brings them uh to the uh, an already public company merges with another company so they can get them to to market a lot sooner and um less well Actually, in a lot of cases, it's more expensive, but but anyway, we don't need to get into that. But um, basically, in their SPAC deck, um, they said we should expect to see revenues of $11 million for 2022 and $176 million for 2023. And so far, 2022, which ends today, um, they had $0 in revenue. So (laughs) they're they're a little behind the um, revenue guidance that they... Suggested, and um, I mean that's why they they dropped on earnings because a lot of that um the, that that guidance was factored in, and I, I mean it, that's that's what happens when you don't meet those uh, narrative based expectations. And then something else that I looked into as well that I would be um, weary of is that they um, the way that they're funding their operations is through issuing issuing stock, and they've got a lot of um as well as stock they've got a lot of uh, convertible warrants outstanding. And it looks like um, a lot of those warrants are are executed, which is basically it's very similar to an option. Um, they they have a, a set strike price, so when the stock rises, however much above that level, the investors that are holding onto these warrants can exercise them and then sell the shares into the market at whatever price it is. So they buy them at a discount and they sell in the in the market, and that's um, that's been been weighing on the company as well. So it's I would diluted. say unless, yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 so I would say unless you're an expert and really understand the, the industry, you, you can only really go, um, based off of, off of technicals on this and, um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it, it the company's also valued at $2 billion. So it's not, it's not cheap by any means. Um, even if they do start ramping up sales and have great earnings, it, it'll still take some time to justify, um, a $2 billion valuation. So it, it could be the future. It it may be the next big thing, but it's, um, it's just, it's, it's too early for, for me to tell at least. And, um, that's, that's kind of, um, how I'd be looking at it.
0: But you're looking for the new end. That's the potential company with the end, right. the new early, early, yeah. early out yeah. of the gate. And by the way, I will reach out. We've got a couple clients that are former, t- they're experts and the electric space. In fact, electric batteries, that's what they They're some of the premier engineers in the world. I'll reach out and see what they, their thoughts on, on this technology. Cause I'm sure one guy for sure keeps up with this. He's in, he's working on a private equity, uh, pr- battery company, another different one at the same time. So he's working in that same space and it's highly competitive, highly competitive. So whoever wins that, it's gonna, it's gonna be a big winner. So, Don, what do you have in closing? What would you think we need to do you want to say anything in closing? You just got to be ready what we'll would be watching the first 2 days of January at the gate.
1: Well, I can I can say that in the last 10 minutes we dropped 15 points in the S&P 500. We're now at 3805, which is below that 20% threshold of 3813 to 3816, so I'll we'll have to see how the rest of the day goes um we are uh, our exposure to the market is the equivalent of 15 percent of the risk of the s p 500 we got a few longs uh we've got some shorts offsetting them uh but the fact is that we are a fact-based company and the fact is that the major indexes indexes are trending with the exception of the dow below all their key moving averages and the dow is holding on By a thread to its 50 day moving average, still a few percent above the 200 day moving average, showing relative strength. But when the Dow shows relative strength, that typically means that it's (laughs) the the market's weaker. Risk risk off posture. And uh, that's certainly the case of what we've seen with the NASDAQ 100 this year, with it being down nearly 40%. And uh, here's the NASDAQ 100 on a weekly chart. Uh, That's not a good-looking weekly chart. In fact, if you look it up in the dictionary of downtrend, you just might find this picture there. (laughs) Notice that black line, the 40-week? Every time we touched it, we failed. And until that changes in the market, um, it's a stay-away, avoid market. We're keeping our watch list updated. I'll update the 21 over 21 as long as there are at least 21 good growth stocks to be – to be addressed should the market turn and start to go higher. Uh, but as of right now, it is a risky market and that's what we specialize in it at Revere is distinguishing healthy markets from risky markets and this is a risky market.
0: And that's how you dial up and down risk. You do it with uh, doing those things. Now, so you, and, and basically what Don's saying is folks, if the Dow is the strongest relative to growth and innovation and in technology like NASDAQ stocks, that's not very bullish. That's a, that's, a, that's a bad sign when defense is stronger than offense. That means you should be defensive. So if you're not defensive and you're down 25 30%, you should ask your advisor why uh, uh, and potentially get a second opinion. Folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Send them to revereasset.com. They can, just, they can email any of us with questions, Dan at RevereAsset.com, Don at RevereAsset.com, Tim, Michael, and pretty soon, Connor. Tim. Connor's, Tim, I'm sorry. Ted. Uh, Ted, Ted. 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 Ted, sorry, I get going, <laughs> man. It's, it's hard to, you know, know. old dog, That's old close. dog, yeah, old yeah. dog and new tricks. Yeah. is tough. Anyway, I guess but,
1: you did not make that list on the index card and put it next to the monitor for this show, did you, Dan? I did. I, I did. Think, I think bad, the, bad, bad, Dan. The custodial
0: bad. staff must have got it. It was going it so yeah, smooth. It was in here It was going so yeah, smooth yeah, till yeah. the very end, and then we cut off the rails on the outro. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, but li, li, like I said, folks, it's raw here. We give you the data, the real stuff. We're not polished. We're not a groomed professional show done in some huge Ivory Tower Studio giving you forecast 12 months out that never come that true. Horrifically incorrect. if you want that, if you want the the Morgan Stanley polished diamond pinky ring, uh three-piece suit and a tie with a with a tie pin, a diamond tie pin, we're probably not your firm. But if you want to protect the downside and have some downside protection and have rules based so you don't go through these big roller coaster rides then maybe you ought to check us out. Anyway, you can go to revereasset.com, go up to the top right hand corner and hit subscribe and you will get Don's daily market insight video every night the market's open. Soon the other guys are going to start contributing. And then this podcast delivered every uh, it actually comes out Saturday morning. But, but, but if you go to our YouTube channel and just type or just go to YouTube, type in Revere Asset, just Revere Asset. That's it'll our channel will come up and you hit subscribe. As soon as Zach posts this, which right now it's what? It is 1230, 1230 almost uh, central time. It may be out on YouTube by 2 p.m. before the market even closes uh, if you're on our YouTube channel. Anyway, you can email me or any of us at our first name at revereasset.com and then and send us and, and, and ask us about a stock or if you want a complimentary portfolio review, we will help you in any way We can. You can always also call us at 855-REAL-WEALTH. Folks, have a very happy and safe New Year. Remember, New Year's Eve is amateur night, so you got to be real careful if you're going to go out and have fun. Don't drink and drive. Take an Uber or take a designated driver. Folks, we'll talk to you next week in 2023 on your money.
1: Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much you can keep.